Hey, this is Dustin, one of the pastors at Grace Bible Church. Thanks for tuning in to listen to one of our sermons. We hope that this sermon encourages you, inspires you, and compels you towards a closer walk with Jesus and one another. If you would like to learn more about Grace Bible Church, contact us or partner with us financially, you can connect with us at www.gbc.life. Welcome to our church family. We hope that you enjoy the message. You guys be seated, would you? Man, there's something special about today, ain't there? And it's fun to gather together in a large group to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. I can only imagine what heaven must be like this morning. And I've enjoyed singing out the roar of heaven right here on the racetrack, together as a community. About 3% of our community has gathered together here this morning. Imagine what God could do through you to reach this community and transform it. If we would hear the call of God on our lives and say yes. And all the little million microscopic ways that he wants to use you to saturate the heartland with the glory of God. Just imagine. But this morning, we've got churches all over the heartland gathering, declaring the gospel of Jesus, worshiping Jesus. And I think we need to stop and pray for them. So let's just pray together right now. Would you just lift a hand up in the air as a physical symbol of confession to God that you want him to be supreme, that you want him to lay hold of this community. And Father, we lift up the heartland to you and we ask in the name of Jesus that you would break into every building this morning, that you would declare your own majesty, that you would step beyond our human talent and that supernatural presence of God would be present everywhere from the racetrack to the Pentecostals to the Baptists to the Presbyterians to the non-denominational churches to the Methodists to the folks gathering in homes watching it online Father I pray in the name of Jesus that you would lay hold of our hearts we need to be changed we need to be healed we need to be comforted we need to hear your voice we need to be set free And Lord, I know only you can do that. We tried everything else. So Father, come have your way with us on this ground right here. This legendary space called the Sebring Raceway, Lord, we declare it to be a sanctuary of worship this morning. That heaven would touch earth right here. That lives will be changed forever. That hardened hearts will be softened. That the wanderer will come home and that Even the outright rejecter would hear the voice of God for the first time. Jesus, have your way in us. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said. Hey, thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship this morning, huh? (laughs) It's so good to see you guys today. This This has been exciting. I've got half a mind for all of us just to get together and build a bigger building. Rebrand this whole operation, and we'll call it Wings of Grace in La Roca. And for all y'all that don't speak Spanish gooder than me, La Roca means on the rock. You're welcome. I got y'all. Got y'all. Now, you come to services like this on an Easter weekend, and the expectation is that the pastor is going to be talking about the resurrection. And you got that one right. 
We will be talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but not just his resurrection. A resurrection of a guy named Lazarus in John chapter 11. If you have your Bible, flip on over there. Now, most folks also typically come to gatherings like this. Their second expectation is that the pastor's sermon is going to be geared towards people that do not yet have a relationship with Jesus. And to that, you are mostly wrong. Because I got a bone to pick with you church people first. Don't worry, we're going to get around to the good news story and invite those that are, have not yet come into relationship with Jesus to come to know Jesus. But before I pick a bone with all these church people out here, because I got something to say to y'all, so does the Word of God, I want to just let you know, if you are a skeptic, a critic, an outright rejecter of Jesus Christ, I want you to know that you are safe here and you are welcome here. You are safe in our churches to not have all the answers. You are welcome to not agree with me this morning. But I want you to know that these church folks that have gathered, these Jesus people, we ain't perfect. And forgive us for pretending like we are. Because the reality of it is, is we are a people who are being transformed by the power of God. And we're as desperate for it as you are. And my prayer all week has been that even though you may be here as a skeptic or an outright rejecter, that you might hear the voice of God this morning. And I don't know why it is that you showed up today. Maybe it is because this is just kind of an annual tradition, you know, that we go to church on Easter Sunday morning. Shoot, maybe your grandmama told you if you didn't get your old country rump out of bed this morning, you wouldn't get no fried chicken. I don't know. I don't know why you're here today. But I'm so glad that you're here today. And these churches that have gathered, Grace Bible, Wings of Faith, and La Roca, we are so grateful to be able to worship the Lord with you. And we want to invite you into the family that God has invited us into. And we're picking up in this story of Lazarus where Jesus was very close friends with Mary and Martha and their little brother Lazarus. And Lazarus was so sick that he was about to die. So Mary and Martha wrote a letter on a napkin and sent it to Jesus about 30 miles away. And Jesus got the letter, and he kicked around for a couple of days instead of coming immediately like you would have thought he would have. We were all hoping Jesus was just going to run to Bethany and rescue Lazarus from his sickness, but Jesus is always up to something, even when it seems like he's up to nothing. And here Jesus is kicking around, doesn't come to Bethany right away, and unfortunately Lazarus dies. And Jesus shows up four days late to the funeral. Come on, Jesus, what in the world? Four days late. As you can imagine, Mary and Martha, who have been close friends with Jesus for a long time, who love Jesus, who have had meals with Jesus, who have laughed and cried around the campfire with Jesus, their feelings are hurt because they only had one miracle-working friend, and his name was Jesus, and he got the letter in time, but he didn't show up in time because it felt like he was just wasting time, and now their little brother Lazarus is dead. I bet you some of y'all can identify with the fact that it feels like Jesus showed up too late or he missed the deadline altogether. And maybe that's why you ain't too interested in Jesus, and he's a little suspect to you right now. I want you to know Jesus' closest friends, Mary and Martha, can identify with that feeling. As a matter of fact, when Jesus finally shows up late to the funeral, Four days late, in fact. And word travels to Mary and Martha that he is in town. Martha runs to Jesus to have a conversation with him. But Mary, 
Mary, listen, every time we see Mary in the Bible, three different times she is at the feet of Jesus, but not that day. She heard Jesus was in town, so she just stayed home. Her feelings were too hurt. She was too frustrated with Jesus, too angry at the fact that he didn't show up when, he, when she thought that he should. And I would imagine you felt that way before. You hear us sing the songs, let me tell you he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. And then he shows up late, and you're like, what's up with that? Mary and Martha know exactly how that felt. We pick up in the story, after Martha goes back to get Mary, we pick up in the story all the way down in verse 32 when Mary finally comes out of the house, and she comes to meet with Jesus. Listen closely. It says, now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. There she is again saying to him, listen closely, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I wonder how many of y'all this morning, you've had that conversation with God, Lord, if you would have been here, we wouldn't have had this problem. If you would have been here, I wouldn't be dealing with the grief that I'm dealing with. If you would have showed up on time like I asked you to, we would have been in a much better situation. And now here you are showing up late on an Easter Sunday morning. You expect me to tune my heart to your glory? Lord, now about this time, how do you expect Jesus is going to respond to this? About this time, we would imagine, okay, the proper response from Jesus would be after Mary has just heaped her criticisms and her timelines onto Jesus, the proper response from God, the king of heaven and earth right now would be to criticize her lack of faith. The proper response would be for him to condemn her for forgetting that she is not God and he is. His timing is perfect. Let's see what Jesus does. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw a whole bunch of Jews that were also weeping with her, he was deeply moved. And in his spirit, he was greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid the body? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. Listen, folks, Jesus isn't so committed to who he plans to create you to be that he isn't willing to sit with you in the pain that you're feeling right now. He isn't so task-minded that he forgets the real pain that we experience in this life right now. And so he weeps with, Jesus, weeps with Mary, feels the burden with Mary, empathizes with Mary. Hey, are you weeping this morning? You've got a savior of heaven and earth, the king of glory, who weeps with you today. Are you frustrated? Are you heartbroken? Are you feeling the weight of things not shaking out the way you thought they should? You've got a savior who not only acknowledges the pain, but weeps with you this morning. And Jesus says to them in verse 38, Jesus is deeply moved again. He comes to the tomb, and it was a cave, and there was a stone that laid against it. And Jesus said, pay close attention, oh, Jesus-y folk. Take away the stone. Hey, look to the person to your right and say, take away the stone. Look to the person to your left and say, take away the stone. And Jesus says, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, she pipes up and says, Lord, by this time, there is going to be an odor in there. Taking away the stone's a bad idea. We should leave it where it is. We don't want the stink that's in there to be out here 
with us. Lord, he's been dead for four days. You should know this. You showed up four days late to the funeral. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you for that you have heard me. And I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on the account of people standing around that they may, if you have your Bibles open, what's that next word? That they may believe. I showed up late so that they may believe. Lazarus was sick so that they may believe. I told you to roll the stone away so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus! It's a good thing he called him by name or that whole tomb would have emptied out. Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died four days later came out with his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus then said to them, say them. Jesus said to who? Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Look to the person to your right, say unbind him. To the person to your left, say, and let him go. Hey, I told you jesus folk, I had a bone to pick with y'all this morning. We just saw someone cross from death to life. We just saw someone brought out of darkness into his marvelous light. We just saw the old man pass away and the new man come. And then Jesus gives a command to those who were standing with him that were closest to him. And he said, take away the stone. There's an obstacle in the way of this miracle. Now, don't get me wrong. That obstacle wouldn't keep Jesus from performing the miracle. It was keeping people from outside experiencing the miracle that was happening inside. And so he told them, he told who? He told them to what? Thanks for listening, all six of y'all. That's great. I was kind of building up to that moment. And Jesus said to them, what? Take away the stone. There's a miracle happening in there. You need to see it so that you believe. And their response was, heck no, we ain't moving that stone out of the way. It's stinking there. Jesus, don't you know he's been dead for four days? We don't want the stink that's in there to be out here with we, where we are. Hey, what is it with the people that's closest to Jesus? What is it with us when Jesus identifies obstacles that are in the ways of the miracles that he wants to perform in the lives of those who are spiritually dead, that we start making excuses about why we need to leave the obstacles there? Why is it that we like our comfort so much that we don't want the deadness that's inside the tomb to be amongst our life that's outside the tomb? Why is it that we have become so committed to our comfort that when Jesus invites us in on the resurrection and transformation story of someone else, we consider it an inconvenience? I told you I got a bone to pick with somebody today, you Jesus-y folk. Moments like this make me wonder who's really dead and who's really alive. Hey, listen, Jesus-y people. 
Jesus does not need your help to perform his miracles. But it's because of the love of God in your life that he invites you into the resurrection story of someone else. He wants you to be a part of the transformation story so that you may believe, so that your heart may be strengthened and enriched in every way. And here they are coming up with every excuse under the sun. Shoot, I bet somebody was in the crowd saying, oh, no, I owe Lazarus some money. Don't y'all be moving that stone out of the way, you know what I'm saying? Like, keep that brother in there. This worked out good. But the Lord said, no, 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 you roll that stone away. Did you see the second command he gives to you, Jesus-y people? He told you two things in this resurrection miracle. Command number one was roll the stone away. Do you see the second command that the people closest to Jesus got in this story? Unbind him and let him go. Listen, when Lazarus came out of the tomb, he looked like death. He smelled like death. Shoot, why are you surprised? He was just dead. And it's funny that us Jesus-y people, when someone has just crossed from fresh death to new life, we start looking at them saying, bro, I thought you were saved, man. Why are you still acting like that? Because they were just dead. Why you still stink like that? Because they were just dead. And we forget the command that Jesus gave to us when he looked at them and said, you unbind him and you let him go. You set him free. Jesus provides the resurrection, and then he invites us in to the unbinding and the unwrapping and the discipleship process of bringing people into learning what it means to walk with Jesus. But we stand there at the doors of our churches, and we stick our hand out to the world that desperately needs to be transformed, and we don't want the stink of death coming into our places of life. And Jesus looks at you in the eye and says, you unbind him, and you let him go. Pastor Steve Trinkle, who is with us today, put it like this. He said, Jesus alone calls us to life, but none of us have arrived at this point without the benefit of those who lovingly unbound us. Hey, Jesus, see people, you didn't get here on your own. Why is it that in our lives, those who have walked with Christ with any length of time, we have forgotten that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good? He came to make dead people alive. And I'm not talking about physical resurrection. Jesus, Lazarus was going to have to die again. There was another resurrection that we were going to need to happen. And Jesus knew that in Lazarus' death and resurrection that it was going to eventually lead within about a week's time to his death and resurrection. Jesus himself was going to conquer death one last time, once and for all, and take back the keys of death and the grave. This is why the Apostle Paul told us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, death, oh, where is your sting? Grave, oh, where is your victory? Man, I look at you and my heart aches. <laughs> I see a sea of faces that have a longing deep in their heart for transformation from Jesus, even though some of y'all don't even realize that the void in you is in fact him calling you. 
and we're trying to fill it with a million other things, but yet Jesus is the only satisfier. And after raising Lazarus from the dead, you can read in chapter 12 that the reality of it is that all of the Jewish construct at that point was aiming now to kill Lazarus and kill Jesus because so many people were believing in him now. But this was all a part of the plan. This is why God got up off the throne of heaven and put on skin and moved into our neighborhood to live with us and to suffer with us and to die for us because there was a debt that had to be paid, a debt that none of us could afford. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says that we were dead in our sins and trespasses. But God, being rich in mercy, has brought us from death into his marvelous life and given us new life in him. To whosoever would believe, John said in the famous verse, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to go through all that so that whosoever would believe might not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus came to die and be resurrected again and because of his resurrection, he invites us into this story and he stands outside the tomb of every Lazarus ever. Lazarus is like you and Lazarus is like me. And he calls us by name to come and join him with this new life that Jesus offers us. To be made whole and set free, to have the promise of heaven. Hey, good people don't make it to heaven. Only people that have been rescued by Jesus do. Only people that have trusted in him as Lord do. Jesus himself told us that. I'd take his word on it. He's the king of it. <laughs> and here we are gathered together today and I'm reminded of Revelations chapter 3 verse 20 that as Jesus stands at the tomb of Lazarus is like you and Lazarus is like me Jesus says behold I stand at the door and knock and that little void that you've been feeling in your heart that thing you've been trying to satisfy with all the other stuff of this world like Somebody forgot to tell you, you weren't made for this world. You were de designed by the divine hand of God that you might long for him all the days of your life. And we got confused because our flesh told us that we needed a bigger boat and a better house. But the spirit that's inside of you is longing to be awakened by the Savior Jesus. And he stands at the door and knock and calling you by name. Come to me, come to me, come to me, Lazarus. My life is better. What I have for you is greater. The hope that I have for you is more sustainable. My power is more significant. Come to me, come to me, be transformed by me. And Jesus did all of this. Not so that we could sit in church week after week and listen to behavior modification sermons. I've been having people preach to my hands my whole life without ever preaching to my heart. And my hands are never going to change what they do until my heart is transformed. So forgive us, Jesus, see people for making it about your hands because it ain't. Your hands will always follow what your heart is doing. 
And Jesus is calling for your heart this morning and inviting you in this time where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus for you to be brought from death to life, for you to be brought from the deadness of your sin and your trespasses to be made whole and set free. Oh yeah, and I'm not just talking to people that aren't connected with local churches. There's some people that show up to church every Sunday morning that have yet to be transformed by the life of Jesus Christ. You've been playing church so long, you think that you are right with God, not knowing that the only way that you can be made right with Him is through His Son, Jesus. Once and for all, for all time, made right with Him. I wonder who here this morning is Jesus speaking to you Has Jesus stalled in your life? Has Jesus frustrated or disappointed you? Or I wonder who is in this journey of filling this constant void that you haven't known until right now that it was the King of heaven and earth, Jesus, calling you by name, asking you to come to him, to be transformed by him. I want to pray for you. Would you just pray along with me? Lord, for those that have gathered... I'd be lying to say we don't all need to be transformed. We all got bad beliefs. We, we all like to be the king of our own little circles. And we all fall short of the glory of God. But thanks be to God who's given us his son, Jesus Christ, who has invited us to be transformed, who has bled on the cross that our sins might be forgiven, who has resurrected from the grave that as Jesus told Mary and Martha, that he is the resurrection and the life, and though we die, yet shall we live, because our life is hidden in Christ, and our future is secure. I wonder if anybody this morning believes now for the first time in their life and feels the Spirit of God just laying hold of your heart. I'm not going to call you up here. I'm not trying to parade you around in front of anybody. This is just between you and the Lord. I don't get extra credit or extra fried chicken this afternoon based on your response, but I am asking you. Is there anybody who's wandered off and wandered away from the Lord maybe a long time ago, but you're ready to come back to him? Would you raise your hand up for just a moment? Would you raise your hand up? I want to pray for you collectively. I see hands all across the place and you're ready to come back to him and get serious about your relationship with him. I wonder if there's any Jesus-y people who have been playing the role of churchgoer, but yet have not been surrendered to the life of Christ. You've been a part of the obstacle instead of a part of the solution, and you're willing to raise your hand in confession to the Lord that that's the case. And so you raise your hand in confession to him, and you invite him to change your heart. And I wonder if there's anybody here this morning that has yet to believe ever. You showed up as a skeptic. You showed up frustrated. You showed up as a questioner of God, but yet the Spirit of God seems to be speaking to you right now. Would you raise your hand as a confession that you want to commit your life to Jesus Christ for the first time? This is just between you and him. Not taking a tally. Would you raise that hand as a confession to God that you believe that he is Lord? You receive his gift of salvation. You long to be transformed by him. You want him to step into your story and totally transform your life. Would you raise your hand if you are in that crowd? I see hands all over the place. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. We celebrate what the Lord is doing on this piece of grass with a million distractions around us. 
I know that the Lord is speaking to some of you this morning. Listen, there's a tent all the way over to your left and my right that as we split out of here today, we have a team of folks that want to meet with you and pray with you. If you're one of those folks that have just now this morning trusted Jesus as the Lord of your life, you can gather at this tent all the way on my right. Uh, they'll be waving their hands on your way out. They just want to talk to you, talk about next steps with you, give you some information, get some information from you. Because this journey of walking with Jesus wasn't meant to happen alone. We were meant to do this together as a family so that we can be transformed together as a family and so we can saturate the heartland with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ together as a family. Let me pray for you. And then the worship team is going to come. We're going to sing yet again about the goodness of God as we all leave today. I hope that you have an incredible Resurrection Sunday. Those of you that have been fasting for 21 days, praise God. I'm finna eat something for lunch today. I'm going to get me a biscuit or something. Let me pray over you. Lord, I commit these folks to you. We need to be transformed. We, we long to be a people, not just who proclaim Jesus, but who display him. I pray that the world would see your power at work in ordinary people who make a million mistakes, who are oftentimes selfish, who don't know all the answers. I pray that you would display your perfect life through everyone who believes. With so many in our community gathered here today, I pray that you would use us as the missionaries to see this community transform forever. Lord, we love you. We are so grateful for your steadfast love for us. Lord, you are definitely good, and your mercy endures forever from generation to generation to generation. And all of those of you that have gathered this morning, will you stand with me as you gather your stuff and get ready to head out? We're going to leave this place singing about the goodness of God. God bless you all. Happy Easter, and we look forward to seeing you again soon.